0: Today's program is brought to you by Brooklyn Cares Veterinary Clinic, providing the highest level of veterinary care to pets throughout the Clinton Hill neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York, and surrounding areas since its founding in 2008. For more information, visit brooklyncaresvet.com. I'm Grace Bonnie of After the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org
1: for thousands more.
2: Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct <clears throat> here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher, also known as the food healer, and Jack Insley's doing all the magic behind the scenes. I've been looking forward to this show for weeks. In case you're not aware, Heritage Radio Network is spotlighting certain topics this year, one being chickens. I'm very excited to announce my guest, Hannah Kirshner, who's in the studio with me today. She's loved chickens since she was a child and knows all about keeping and caring for them. Hannah Kirshner is the founder and editor of Sweets and Bitters, a series of mini cookbooks and a lifelong chicken fancier. She grew up on a small farm in the Pacific Northwest and now keeps a small flock of laying hens in her Brooklyn community garden. Hey, Hannah, thanks for coming out to Bushwick for the show. How are you?
1: I'm good. I get to talk about one of my favorite topics, pet chickens. I'm really excited that
2: you're here. This is a topic I've been really curious about for a long time, and it fits in with the Heritage Radio chicken Year, so it's perfect. So, yay, welcome. Great. So, first question,
1: how did you get into chickens? Well, I grew up on a small farm in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. We had chickens, sheep, goats, a big vegetable garden. And ever since I can remember, the chickens were my job. As a kid, I sold eggs to our neighbors, and I collected all sorts of fancy breeds of chickens.
2: Oh, cool. Cool. So how smart are these birds? Everyone, you know, chickens are stupid, chickens are bird-brained. Is that true?
1: Well, I think that animals have the kind of intelligence that they need for their species so Mm -hmm. all different kinds of animals have different types of intelligence so it's not necessarily fair to compare but chickens are in fact a lot smarter than people think um they've done studies that show that chickens can count they can recognize numbers they can um, recognize colors they can actually be trained um they communicate, although if you spend any time observing them, it's pretty obvious that they have sophisticated communication. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And they definitely have social structure. Yeah. The hierarchy and all that. Yeah. It's wild. And so I want to talk about your chickens, but I want to get some of the basic stuff out first. Like if you decide that you want to have some backyard chickens, like how much space do you need for them?
1: Well, people's opinions on how much space you need really vary. I mean, I think anybody who's listening probably agrees that the amount of space allotted for commercial chickens isn't appropriate. So, you know, that's a foot or two per bird. Um, But for a backyard flock, you know, it really varies and different people will give you different advice. I think that the advice of like two to four square feet per bird plus A little additional outdoor space Mm -hmm. is good. And it depends whether your chickens are in their enclosed area all day or whether they're enclosed at night and then roaming free in a pasture or a lawn during the day. Mm -hmm. The more space they have, the more relaxed they'll be and the lower maintenance they'll be. Oh, that's cool. Less cleaning, too. Totally.
2: Totally. That's a really good point. Um, So if somebody decides, I want
1: some chickens, like what's a good number to start out with? Is it good to just get one? Um, they're social animals, and they really need to be at least two. And because, you know, things can happen, I think it's better to start with three or four. Yeah. In case, you know, you have one that gets sick or mm-hmm. a predator, you know, a dog or a raccoon or something happens point. to pick one off. So I think starting with three or four is a really manageable amount. It's enough for some eggs for a family. hmm
2: And so... Okay, I want some chickens. So, like, where do you get these things? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when I was a kid, we would get them mail order. You're kidding. 24 to a box so that they um, keep their own warmth. In the first three days after they hatch, there's enough nutrition saved in, from the yolk sac of the egg that they don't actually need to eat for three days. Wow. So they would just priority mail you a box of chicks. Oh, my God. With some extra free chicks for filler. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And, yeah, so the mailman would arrive with his little peeping box. Oh, wow. So we would get an order or split an order with other friends in our rural area. Wow. Um, And now there's a company called My Pet Chicken that Mm -hmm. has little heating elements they'll put in the box. So you can order, I think, as few as four mail orders. Oh, cool. so that's, that's one great way that a lot of people get them. Um, or you can find a feed store or breeder. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do just a little bit of research online, you can probably find somebody in your area selling chicks. Totally.
2: And so when you get a chick, you really you, nobody really knows the sex when they're first born. So how old does a chick have to be before you can figure out if it's a hen or a rooster?
1: Well, actually, there are expert chicken sexers who can tell when they first hatch. Wow. Um, the Japanese sort of pioneered it and are still the best at it. Wow. And they come and teach people here. Um, and it's sort of a strange skill where it's very hard to explain exactly how to do it. Yeah. You kind of just have to do it until you... Get good at it. Wow. Um, So uh, when you you can buy from a hatchery or feed store, usually sex chicks with Mm -hmm. about ninety five percent accuracy. Wow. So that's what you want to do if you're getting backyard chickens. Usually, because you want mostly hens, is to try and get um, pullets, which are the females. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, you know, as they sort of become teenage in a couple of months, the roosters will start acting a little different, but. Sometimes it's not until they either start crowing or laying that you actually know, wow. depending on the breed. Wow. And
2: so places like New York, where you're allowed to have chickens, but you're not allowed to have roosters, you really have to be careful of what you're getting.
1: Yeah, and I think part of deciding to get chickens is coming up for with a plan for what happens if and when you get a rooster, because 95% accuracy, I mean, yeah. there's a pretty good chance you're going to end up with a rooster. Totally. And if you decide to get chicks... Rather than from a hatchery from another breeder or something, it's even less accurate. So um, you have to decide, are you going to be comfortable butchering a rooster? Are you going to try and find a home for it? Mm -hmm. Um, Animal sanctuaries are overwhelmed with roosters. A lot of them won't even take roosters anymore because they just have too many. Oh, that's sad. And naturally, the roosters would basically just battle it out until there's oh the right number of roosters per hens.
2: Yeah, those things are aggressive. I got beat up by a rooster when I was a kid, and it was like, no joke. I was. Like...
1: <laughs> they can be really mean. When we ended up with mean roosters, they'd be soup. But I also, <laughs> I, I also had a rooster named Cayenne who I would paint his toenails oh, and kidding. he would sit in my lap. He was totally docile and tame. Wow. I, and so... Not all roosters are aggressive, and I think especially if they've been raised since chicks being mm-hmm. handled and being around people a lot, they can be really sweet.
2: And so when you talk about like handling birds, I mean, a lot of people are afraid of birds you know but so like you're able to pick up your chickens you're able to carry them around and so I assume that's like with all pets that the younger you get them used to this the better it is
1: yeah yeah and of course you have to be gentle with them and kind of know how to handle them right it's sort of second nature to me so I don't even really think about it but then sometimes I see people really struggling with like how to pick up a chicken yeah you sort of hold their wings so they don't flap around and Well, Um, and it's
2: funny too because they're so puffy that you don't realize, like. It's mostly feathers. Yeah, like you grab them and you're like, it's like half the (laughs) size you were expecting, but they're strong too. It's not like picking up a pillow, it's like picking up like a feisty thing that's in a pillow. (laughs) They're strong and they're
1: heavy too. Especially if you get the sort of heritage breeds that are meant to be both for eggs and meat, Mm -hmm. you know, they're substantial birds. Yeah, they really are. But you know, if they're tame, they'll they'll hop right up in your lap too. I mean,. mine are worse than dogs they'll follow you around begging for food (laughs) (laughs) try to steal whatever you're eating i tried i trained one of them to hop thinking that would be a cute trick but now she's learned to hop and grab things out of your hand oh no (laughs) that's funny so how easy is it to train them um it's actually really easy so when i was growing up karen Pryor, who is a dolphin trainer and Mm -hmm. or She's known as a dolphin trainer and animal behaviorist. If you know anything about clicker training, she pioneered that. Okay. She was one of our neighbors, and so she would come over and teach me how to how? clicker train the chickens. Why? And um, I've played around with it a little bit with my flock now. And I have one that will spin on command, <laughs> and the other one that I was telling you will hop. My hope was to eventually teach them a whole dance routine, but we haven't gotten oh that Oh, my far. God, that would be awesome. Mostly due to my lack of interest, because, I mean, I taught, I taught the one to hop and, like, Three five minute sessions, other wow. to spin. So, um, yeah, with uh, food motivated, positive mm-hmm. reinforcement training, and the clicker as a marker, you can train them really fast. That's that's hilarious. To do simple. Tasks. Oh my god,
2: I want the dance routine. I yeah. totally want the if dance routine. You
1: YouTube it. You can find people that have trained chickens to do whole obstacle courses. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
2: Wow. Okay, so then they've got good memory, too, because, you know, if not, then an obstacle course would be like, well, what's this? Like, you think about a cat going through an obstacle course, you know? It'd be like, you yeah, can click or train so. cats,
1: though, too. I mean, that's it's the true. sort of amazing part about that kind of training is that uh, somehow animals retain it better than other types of training, too. So if somebody decides, yeah, this is a great idea, I, I want to get some backyard chickens, how do you find out about the laws in your area to see, even see if this is legal? The best way is to just search online online. Um, A lot of cities allow a small number of chickens, say, Mm -hmm. like, four or five hens. Most cities, maybe all cities, do not allow roosters. I think both because of noise and also because of cockfighting and trying to um, prevent that. Um, But there are websites that list by city and county or... um, yeah, usually just Google it and you can find out. New York is unusual in that there's no limit on the number of hens really? you can have as long as you don't get a health department violation. Wow. So there was some guy like in Manhattan that oh, had God. hundreds of chicks what? inside an apartment building somewhere <gasps> and nobody could get him in trouble for it. <laughs>
2: Only in New York. I mean, it's like we've had albino alligators, we've had tigers,
1: we've had lions, we've had pumas. I mean, why not chickens? You know, at least they're safer. In some ways, I feel like they make more sense as urban pets than some of the more standard animals like dogs and cats because they live outside of your apartment. Yeah. Um, They can partially subsist on food scraps. They uh, give something in return. You get eggs. Totally. And they're pretty easy to take care of. So what... Is like basic chicken care
2: in terms of where they live,
1: you know? Well, so in some ways, I feel like taking care of a chicken is like taking care of a cat. You need to make sure they have food and water available to mm-hmm. them, but they'll sort of self regulate how much they need to eat and drink, and you need to clean their litter, mm-hmm. which means cleaning the coop in this yeah. case. So basically, they need an indoor area where they can stay outside, out of the wind. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be heated or insulated necessarily, but the tricky thing is it needs good ventilation, but not drafty. So Ooh. try and figure that out. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> um, but then they also need some out, outdoor area where they can scratch around. One mm-hmm. of the things they like to do is take dust baths, and that actually helps prevent pests. It helps them get bugs out of their feathers mm-hmm. and cool off in the summer. Um, so the more space they have to scratch around, the better. Um, And this is something good to know, too, because, like, you know, if you're the type
2: of person that has, like, a manicured English garden and you let the chickens out in your garden, they're going to scratch. Yeah. They're going to scratch around your plants, you know, and they're going to try to dig up grubs and worms and stuff. So keep it in mind. You might want a separate section for the chicken if you have, like, a very fancy, fancy garden. And if you're okay with it, then, you know.
1: Yeah, and once your plants are established, they can actually be really helpful in the garden because they'll um, pick weeds, they'll eat weeds, and they'll eat a lot of the pests. I know somebody that has um, a fenced-in area for their chickens with a bunch of plum trees, and the chickens eat all the beetles that try to burrow into the trunks of the plum trees that's brilliant so um and they eat all the fallen rotten fruit so then that doesn't attract other pests god that's great and then the high up fruit it's just really easy to pick plus that's really natural smart. fertilizer totally <laughs> so, so yeah they have this little orchard system but yeah they, they, they'll scratch up your plants too so that you want to have usually a, a run or a fenced in area that's just for the chickens mm-hmm. and then maybe have more limited time that they are somewhere else. Or there's chicken tractors, which is sort of the movable chicken Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like egg mobiles. So you can move them around and have them sort of till the earth in different spots intentionally. That's really cool. It's, I friends, some friends of mine have a farm
2: upstate called Grazing Angus Acres, and they sell meat in the New York area. And if you ever see them, buy it because it's amazing. And their chickens, they do the original Michael Pollan thing where they bring in the cattle and they keep them in the pastures for a period of time. And then those cattle leave and then they bring in the eggmobile with the chickens. So the chickens can eat, you know, break down all the cow poo everywhere and eat all the bugs and eat all the grubs. And I mean, these are the best eggs in the world. I bet. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. And the chickens are happy. Everybody's happy. There's no smell. There's nothing because everything's being taken care of and utilized.
1: Yeah, I mean that's one of the things I guess misconceptions about chickens or a lot of livestock is that they're smelly. But no animal wants to live in its own filth. Yeah, yeah. And it, they're only smelly if you don't clean up after them or you confine them too much. hmm And it's true.
2: I mean, I've met your chickens and I picked them up, and they they don't smell like birds. They don't smell like chickens. You yeah, know people I mean? are
1: always surprised about that. I think how clean the coop is, how clean the chickens are. And I mean, I clean my coop once a week. It's really not that much work. That's great. Yeah. That's really great. And
2: then what kind of bedding do you use?
1: So one of the perks of being an urban chicken keeper is that I can get free bedding. I actually get coffee chaff from oh, cool. uh, a roastery near me, and it's, it's the hulls of the coffee. Um, otherwise, uh, pine shavings are mm-hmm. what you typically use inside the coop. Some kinds of wood will irritate their respiratory system, mm. so you need to stick to pine shavings. Mm-hmm. But coffee sh- coffee chaff is safe, too. And then I also use a little bit of straw in their outdoor area to keep it from getting too muddy, mm-hmm. and in their nesting boxes.
2: And so when you cl- when you like clean out the chicken coop, are you like pulling out everything and then giving them fresh stuff, or just yeah, kinda... I scoop
1: it all out mm-hmm. and then put that in a compost pile, and it breaks down into amazing garden mulch, which yeah. you can use or even sell. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, just put
2: new bedding down. I mean, and that's such a huge bonus, too, because it's organic fertilizer, and it's super high in nitrates. Like, chicken poo is the greatest thing in the world for fertilizer. No, it's amazing, you know?
1: especially if you're growing tomatoes, anything like um, that. Yum. Yum. That sounds great.
2: So, when you get these chickens, and they are and they're happy, and everything's good, and they start producing eggs,
1: how long do chickens normally produce eggs? So, when they first start laying, it's a little shaky, and then within a month or so, they're laying about an egg a day. Wow. Um, And they'll keep that up for a year or two, and then it'll kind of taper off. Um, They can keep laying for five to seven years, but it'll really taper to maybe an egg a week or something instead of an egg a day after Mm -hmm. a couple of years. So when they're your pets, that's fine. For commercial purposes, often after a couple of years, people cull the chickens, which is a polite way of saying killing them. And so are those sold for meat? um, I don't think in commercial egg raising probably not mm-hmm. but like for homesteaders yeah um a lot of the heritage breeds like Rhode Island Reds or mm-hmm. Buff Orpingtons or Black Giants they're meant to be they're meant to lay well for an, for a year or two and then um also be meaty birds that you could eat that's for cool. me I have a small flock and they're my pets so yeah
2: too hard yeah no I couldn't I couldn't do it if I had to kill any of my food I would be a vegetarian <laughs> big time Um, We need to take a break. So we'll be back in just a minute. I'm just talking to Hannah Kirshner about chickens.
0: Hi, I'm Michael Harlan Turkel, host of The Food Scene. This summer, Heritage Radio Network is turning five. Since our launch in 2009, we've continued to bring you food and culture content like nobody else, and we need your help. Heritage Radio Network is a passionate, grassroots, action-oriented nonprofit organization. That means we depend on the support from listeners like you to keep us alive. If you love what you hear on Heritage Radio Network, visit our website and become a member today. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. Animal Instinct is brought to you today by Brooklyn Cares Veterinary Clinic. Since 2008, Brooklyn Cares has been providing exceptional veterinary care to pets throughout Brooklyn, New York. Led by doctors Timothy Mann and Stephanie Liff, the practice advocates a gentle, holistic approach to caring for your pet and offers an impressive breadth of basic and advanced health care services for your dog or cat. This modern practice, conveniently located in the Clinton Hill neighborhood of Brooklyn, is fully equipped with state-of-the-art equipment to ensure that your pet receives the highest quality care, regardless of whether they're sick or injured, or simply visiting for annual wellness checkup. For more information, visit brooklyncaresvet.com.
2: And we're back. And we're talking about urban chickens and pet chickens with Hannah Kirshner. So, Hannah, what do these guys eat?
1: Well, the main thing that you feed your chickens usually is a commercial feed, just like dog food, comes in a bag, mm-hmm. has the correct nutritional balance. Mm-hmm. And most vets, chicken experts, will recommend that that's all you feed them. Okay. Um, because it has the correct nutrition um, But some people feed their chickens entirely on food scraps, the other end of the spectrum. And, you know, they were domesticated probably on food scraps and waste. So I think for the backyard chicken keeper, probably a balance is the right thing. Mm -hmm. You feed them the commercial feed as the sort of standard. They always have that available. And then you can supplement it with some of your food scraps. Also let them free range and eat bugs and grass and all that good stuff. You can actually get yourself into trouble with feeding them too many food scraps, though. Mm. They can get fatty liver sy- syndrome, oh, you're or um, yeah, some other other things.
2: So basically, when you're talking about food scraps,
1: you're talking non-meat. Um, chickens are omnivores, and they actually can eat pretty much anything. Really, but mostly you want to feed them vegetables, grains. Mm-hmm. Do you have to be careful kind of with fruit? Um, You know, you can find lists that say the things that are best and worst and things you should avoid. Definitely you're safe as long as you stick to vegetables. Like, um, you want to avoid strong-flavored things like onions and cilantro because that can actually taint the flavor of the eggs. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah.
2: Wow. That's funny.
1: And sort of like humans, anything too high-calorie, anything too, you know, too many carbohydrates and fats, simple carbohydrates and fats, not so good for them.
2: Wow. So, do you have to be careful with, like, since your flock is in a public park, basically, do you have to be careful about, like, kids feeding them cookies and candy and all that? Right.
1: So, I have them in a community garden now, right next to a playground. And I have some signs up asking people to be kind to the chickens. (laughs) Don't throw things at them or yell at them. And don't feed them. um, Just because I want to know what's getting fed to them. Yeah. I think people are pretty good about it. I think. Most people know not to feed animals that aren't theirs, but chickens, again, they're omnivorous, they're pretty resilient, so if every once in a while somebody's throwing them a cookie, they're probably not going to (laughs) die. But if they were eating cookies every day, they would. Wow. And so what kind of predators do you have to worry about? So many. Really? There are a lot of things that would like to have a nice chicken dinner. Mm. Um, in the city, raccoons are probably the biggest one. And wow. even if you don't think there are raccoons around you, there probably are. Yeah. And they're both fierce and clever. They can open um, hook and eye latches. Yeah. So um, they'll they'll even, like, reach through wire and basically eat the chickens a piece at a time. What? It's pretty, ew, pretty ew. boring. Ew. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Anybody who's eating, sorry. <laughs> um, so... Uh, you want to make your chicken coop really secure. Most of the predators you'd worry about at night. As long as you don't have stray dogs or neighbor's dogs getting into your yard, mm-hmm. most of the natural predators are going to come out in the e- evening or at dawn. So, And the chickens will naturally go into roost on their own when okay. it gets dark. So then you want to have them locked up. My chicken coop has wire that goes actually um, underneath the bottom of the coop as well. Oh, cool. And I have little actually locks on the coop. As opposed to just a hook and eyelash, just That's to, just smart. to be
2: sure. That's really smart.
1: I mean, God forbid someone breaks in at night and is like chicken party. Yeah, and lets and them all
2: loose and all that.
1: Chicken wire, as it turns out, is terrible for keeping chickens secure. Oh, It'll great. keep chickens out of your garden, but it won't keep predators out of the chicken coop. So oh. the half-inch hardware cloth is what you want to use. Okay. Anywhere near where your chickens sleep at night. Wow. So what's the commitment involved? Um, well, like I said, I feel like it's kind of like taking care of a cat. Yeah. You want to make sure they have food and water available. You need to clean the coop. Yeah. If you choose to get chicks, it's a little more labor-intensive in the beginning. Right. But you don't have to potty train them. Which you know, is It's awesome. not like house-training a dog.
2: And so, like, what are some of the problems that come with raising chickens?
1: Um, you know, predators. Um, okay. yeah, worrying about predators. Uh. Chickens are vul- vulnerable to diseases mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. you know I think you have to be prepared that you might lose one or two over yeah. the course of keeping chickens yeah there's a really great book called the chicken health handbook which will make you terrified if you're a new chicken <laughs> keeper because it lists every disease that chickens could possibly get but I think it's really invaluable there 's a lot of misinformation online, and I think it 's really great to yeah. get some books and read up before you get chicken
2: i think that 's one of the hardest things is because the internet now exists there 's so much misinformation about everything, so trying to find the accurate information for what you 're looking for can be difficult you know so look at the look at who wrote the article look and see if they have any experience you know look and see look for people you want you know if you 're studying chickens, you want chicken experts you don 't want someone who just wrote about it because they got a job commissioned to write 600 words for Gawker or something like that, you know, so you really need to know your stuff and know your sources. If it sounds ridiculous, back it up, look again, you know Yeah,
1: I think any kind of animal keeping is somewhere where it's really good to have reference books. There are a lot of great books to prepare the first time chicken keeper Mm -hmm. and then also books, you know, I refer to the chicken health handbook often myself. I've raised chickens my whole life but I don't I refer to that book, and, That's I, cool. and I find it much more useful than a lot of the online information. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy reading a lot of the beginner books too. It's just kind of fun to see how people suggest. I think coop designs are interesting. Yeah, and, totally, yeah. totally.
2: And you can really go nuts with those. I mean, I had a friend who had a small chicken coop that looked like this, like amazing mansion. You know, and so they really went crazy with the design on the exterior so that it would fit into their property. And then the interior was a chicken coop. I mean, there was nothing sexy about the inside, but the outside was like, oh my God, I'd live in that. You know, it's beautiful. It's like this little Georgian colonial chicken coop. It was awesome. So I would like to know if you would like to talk about your experience with Hurricane Sandy.
1: Sure. Well, my chickens became quite famous after Hurricane Sandy. Um but I'll start from the beginning with that story. So um, I was living in Red Hook in Zone A. Mm. My chickens at the time were kept next to, um, if anyone's familiar with Homemade Restaurant, it's a little um, great neighborhood restaurant in Red Hook. And right next door they had an empty lot where they were doing some gardening for the restaurant and hosting events, and they love animals, so they let me keep my chickens there. Um, So I had four in this adorable little coop there, and... Um, you know, we—I wasn't really paying that much attention to the hurricane warnings, and then all of a sudden, it was like, "Oh, we have to evacuate!" Oh, wow! And I was on my way to work when I found out. Oh. Worked all day. Came home had like two hours to get myself and my chickens ready for this hurricane that was wow. coming. Um, I actually grew up in a flood zone in Washington State near a river, and uh, had some sad experiences with livestock and flooding mm. there. Where chickens in the morning not knowing there was still water like flew off their roost into oh, the no, water and we no. lost a couple hens I remember canoeing out to the barn oh, and, like, oh. finding finding anyways I know. So, sorry like, not, no nature's rough now. so so with that memory in mind i locked all my chickens in the upper part of their coop which is about four feet high thinking mm-hmm. like okay With the predicted storm surge, maybe this yard is going to get a couple feet of water. This way the chickens will be above it. Yeah. And I asked Monica and Lisa, who own that restaurant, if they would keep an eye on the chickens, thinking if I don't get back right away, maybe they'll give them some food and water, let them back out into the coop after the water recedes. So then, um, you know, I packed myself up and got out of there. Wow. Went up to another neighborhood in Brooklyn to stay with some family and um that night as the waters came up Monica and Lisa realized the water was coming up to like midway up their car and they thought Whoa. oh my gosh the chickens so they ran out in water up to their rib cages the chicken coop was yep. bobbing around oh my god and the birds were just up on the sort of top part Oof. of the perch that <laughs> was at an angle like out of the water ah. and they pulled the birds out of the coop brought them into their apartment wow. with their five cats, wow. four chickens, wow. two women. <laughs> and they felt bad for them being in the hallway, so they just let them into the apartment to wander around. Wow! Um, but it was so touching, such sort of like comic relief to the whole situation. My apartment ended up flooding to the ceiling. I oh lost almost everything. So it was this sort of like moment of lightness in all of that. And just seeing our whole neighborhood so affected. I mean, nobody was prepared for what happened. Uh We were more prepared than a lot of people. Yeah. And yet we weren't prepared at all. Exactly,
2: exactly. Um,
1: So the New York Times picked up the story, did this very cute article about it. Then... Uh, Gotham has picked it up oh, kind of no. made fun of us but I mean you can't really help it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, the our New York Times article was about us looking for a new ap- apartment with a place for chickens because mm. we felt like hey we just lost so much yeah. this is something that brings us joy in our lives totally. if it's possible to keep them we would love to if not we'll send them to a friend in the country but yeah. hey we'd love to keep the chickens yeah. especially after this dramatic rescue yeah, Unbelievable. So um, And then Gawker picked it up, and die, hipster, die, and we were these horrible people who, on the one hand, are ridiculous for having chickens, and on the other hand, are horrible for abandoning them. But, (laughs) I mean, I think part of animal keeping is doing the absolute best you can for those animals, but also accepting that, like, you can't do everything. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, if anyone had known the water would be that bad, sure, we would have brought them somewhere, but...
2: Nobody knew. Yeah. I mean, the entire town was destroyed. But it was, you know?
1: it was pretty remarkable. And so I still bring eggs to Monica and Lisa Aww. whenever I can as a little thank you. And, and they s- put them on as a special at homemade restaurant. Oh, nice. Yeah.
2: So how long did it take from losing the space behind the restaurant to
1: winding up where you are now? Um, so it was about six weeks. Wow. I think uh, the chickens were able to sort of be back in that empty lot for a little while. like. Mm-hmm. A few days later, we got back and sanitized everything and put the coop back up, right, and put them back in there. Um, and then we had to start looking for a new home for ourselves and for the chickens, yeah. and we're sort of looking at a lot of options at the same time. Um, and then a community garden said, sure, bring the chickens here. That's right. And it was meant to be temporary, but has ended up being permanent. It's right next to a playground in a neighborhood with a lot of kids, and it's... Um, it's really more fun than having them in my own backyard and the community's really embraced it. Yeah. To my surprise, I thought cer- there would certainly be somebody who would think that it was unsanitary or oh, noisy me too. or me whatever too. and Instead, I hear nothing but praise. The chickens have so many fans.
2: It's so cool. And what's really cool, too, is, like, you know, with the public gardens in New York, you have to, by law, have the doors open if anybody's in there. And your gates can be open. And The chickens are like, we like it here. Like, they don't want to leave. They're really good about just staying in the garden. And, you know, they, they have no desire to get on the sidewalk. No, so I it's mean, easy to watch them.
1: Chickens don't like to leave where they can see their coop. So they will wander in a pasture or, or a yard. Mm-hmm. But, um... They like to stay where they can see their coop usually, and they're gonna stay where there's food. So if they're in a place with grass and chicken feed and things, yeah, exactly. Why bother? They don't want to go anywhere. (laughs) We do sometimes have visitors though. We had a chicken show up one time that I think somebody dumped an unwanted chicken. Oh. That was not healthy, and a rooster, and we ended up finding a place for him in a farm sanctuary. Well, actually, I just got a note probably a half hour before the show that someone's abandoned
2: a chicken in McGaldrick Park in Williamsburg. <laughs> and it was like, can you help? And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I can't do this to Hannah. I was like, I really can't do this. To Hannah. So I think somebody got him and I think he's being taken care of, but I mean, right. there's slaughterhouses near that um, garden too. And I mean, once in a while, once in one in a blue will get loose, right. You know? And, and they seem to know thing. that where yours are. It's like I've seen them show up, and they're just like these ratty things, like all beat up and kind of like, oh, my God, it's a sanctuary. You know, It's really, really amazing that they know that. Yeah. So cool. So there's
1: a million different kinds of chickens. Is it better to stick to common breeds or go for exotics? I think the most important thing is to figure out what kind of breeds make sense in your climate mm. because some breeds are more suited to cold or heat. Um some breeds with really fancy, fluffy feathers might not do so well when it gets muddy. Oh, yeah. Um, so you need to think about that. And there are really great guides. I mean, again, if you buy any sort of guide to raising chickens, there mm-hmm. are a lot of great ones. And they'll have breed suggestions. Um, MyPetChicken.com has a whole list and, and lists by climate. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. That's great. So, But a lot of the um, older American breeds that homesteaders and even... You know, in colonial America, the kinds of chickens they were probably keeping, yeah, yeah, uh, are really versatile cool. they can they can deal with a lot of climates, they lay well yeah that's i mean and they're mild tempered usually too oh, really? I think breeds that have been domesticated for a long time yeah tend to have better temperaments, probably because they've just been around people, it makes sense, and my experience also is that purebreds purebred chickens like purebred dogs can sometimes have health problems yeah. if they've been selectively bred for yeah. um, some sort of decorative feature. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally. I was wondering about that, you Yeah. because it's, it's really interesting. It's um, as with anything, you know, if you start breeding specifically for one specific trait, you're going right. to have kickbacks somewhere else that might ne- not necessarily be what you want.
1: Right. I mean, on the other hand that, birds that have been really bred for production, whether eggs or meat, they have their own set of problems. Mm. So some of the sort of traditional all-around breeds, I think, are the healthiest and most practical.
2: Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, it's kind of the same with, like, dogs and cats, of, like, you really don't want to buy a completely exotic breed that nobody's ever heard of, because when it gets sick and you go to the vet, they don't know anything of the history of this animal. They don't know what they're prone to, that kind of thing. Yeah, they're, right. they're pretty. They're really pretty. But there's nothing worse than a sick animal. It's like, ugh, it makes me so sad always, you know. Mm-hmm. So, do
1: people keep chickens just as pets? Definitely. Um, there was some PBS documentary, and I wish I could remember the name of it. And there was a woman who had this silky chicken, silkies are a breed, that like would, like, sit on her lap and watch TV. Aww. There are people who make chip- chicken diapers so you can have an indoor chicken. Nice. Um, they are definitely people that keep them as pets i mean i would say mine are pets they're or sort of in between pets and livestock Mm -hmm. you know i keep them outdoors and um they they don't live in my house unless i have a sick chicken then it might come inside in a box for a few days but um i consider them my pets yeah they are not as warm as a dog Mm -hmm. but they will they'll follow you around they recognize you you can teach them some simple tricks are they affectionate I don't know if I'd say they're affectionate, certainly not in the way that some fuzzier creatures right. are, but, um, they definitely are interested in you mm-hmm. and recognize you, follow you. Yeah. They're a lot of fun to watch too. They're just really entertaining. They're fascinating. I mean, yeah. it's really
2: cool just to sit and watch them do their thing. Cause it's like, they have their little routines, you know, it's like, okay, first we get out and now we, now we walk over here then we go over there and then there's like one that'll take off and then the others kind of watch and. You know, it's really, there is something going on. It's not just pell-mell. Oh, yeah, they're social, they're
1: curious. I think that's one of the other things I hear often, people in the neighborhood who weren't familiar familiar with chickens before that they're surprised about is how much they like watching them, just observing them. And what amazes me is that they're really good around kids. Yeah, I think mine are in particular, again, because they've been raised since chicks, been around people, um... So they're they're pretty calm. They're really calm. And one thing that's been fun, too, is, you know, whenever I talk to kids about the chickens, I tell them, you know, you can pet them, but don't chase them. If they run away, it means they're done. Yeah. I teach them different things about sort of how to be around animals. And nice. then I see the kids teaching other kids. Aww. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's so great. And it's like, you know, it's
2: something... We're so distant from our food system. And, you know, so many people, when they think of chicken, they think of something wrapped in plastic in a supermarket. They don't really think of the being, or it's almost like two different things, like a live chicken and then a chicken at the supermarket. Like, they can't really cross over with that to the point where I have a friend who's basically she got stuck with her daughter's chickens, like the kid was doing Uh something for school and then went to college and was like, bye, mom, here are my chickens. So the mom kept them as pets and they were laying and I mean, laying beautiful eggs and she gave some to someone else who called me to make sure that you could eat these.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've had people ask me that, too. They're like, can you eat the eggs? I'm like, yes, they're the best eggs oh, ever. they're so
2: good. They're, they're so they're good. so
1: good. It's funny. I love, like, deli egg sandwiches. Yeah. But I can't do it anymore because the eggs aren't as good as my eggs. Totally. So I go to the deli, and I buy the roll and the American <laughs> cheese, and then I go home and make it with my own eggs.
2: <laughs> but it's even like, if you break open a farm egg... Versus like a factory farm egg. I mean, the factory farm eggs are kind of like the sad yellow anemic color, you know. Yeah. And then when you get them, the chickens that are raised outside their eggs, it's like this beautiful golden orange that's, I mean, it yeah. just, you can see the nutrients in it, you know. And, yeah. it, and it keeps you full longer. It tastes better. And They're good for you. I mean, this whole thing about the cholesterol in eggs, that was really started in the 70s. And since then, they've discovered that, eggs aren't bad for you. You can have more than two a week. Um, They still can't find a link between high cholesterol and heart disease. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Right. But, yeah, eggs are I, eggs are a really, really wonderful food, and they're, you know, a complete protein. And when you eat them, you need to eat them with the yolk and the white together. The, the egg white omelets don't work because the egg white is actually albumin. And what it does when the yolk's not there is it becomes very sticky. And so what it can do is coat your small intestine so that you're not getting any nutrients past it. Huh,
1: that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, but all you, the flavor and nutrition's in the egg yolk, the yolk, too. I mean, the yolk is designed to feed the chick for, for 21 days while it incubates. It's the complete wow. nutrition for the chick while it's incubating in that egg. So if you think about that, like of course the yolk is going to have amazing complex nutrition. Totally,
2: totally, and it tastes so good.
1: Yeah. They're just so, so yeah. good. One of the uh, common misconceptions about eggs or questions that people have is like if eggshell has a correlation to nutrition. And eggshell... The only the shell color mm-hmm. only tells you what breed it came from. Different okay. breeds lay different colored eggs. The nutrition of the egg is just based on what that hen is eating. So if the hen is eating really well, then the egg's going to have higher nutrition yeah. but it has nothing to do with the shell color
2: it's like there are some people that really recommend taking like if you're low on calcium to take your eggs and throw them in a blender like the entire egg including the shell oh, the shell too? hit high oh, and then make omelets with it it's not bad i've tried it it's i was waiting for like some sand grit awful yeah. texture but it's really not that bad but one of the things that they do in the u.s where they don't do anywhere else at least i know they for a fact they don't do it in europe is that we wash our eggs And what they've discovered is that there's a very, very thin membrane on the exterior of the eggs that, if it's washed off like we do, they don't last as long.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, again, if you think about the um, incubation process of an egg, a hen needs to sit on that egg for three weeks to hatch it, and it needs to be safe from bacteria. Yeah. So the coating on the egg that's naturally there keeps it safe from bacteria. But if you're factory farming chickens, the eggs are filthy. Yeah. And you need to wash them. Yeah. So... I, I don't know. People have strong opinions one way or the other. My feeling is if I collect the eggs and they're clean, which they usually are yeah. because they keep the coop clean, then um, I don't need to wash them. Yeah. And if they're dirty, I uh, rinse them with a little bit of vinegar, so like, a, like a water, you know, with a little vinegar mm-hmm. in it.
2: And they'll actually keep at room temperature if they're not washed. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Is it, do you keep them in the fridge or do you keep them on the I counter? I do
1: both. Like, if they're clean, I'll leave them out on the counter. And then... Uh, if they've been on the counter for what I feel like is too long, then I might rinse them and put them in the fridge. Cool.
2: So let's see. For people
1: that are interested in learning more about chickens, what are some more resources that you like? Um, The Chicken Health Handbook is, I think, really essential, but that's more advanced, like, once you have chickens, Mm -hmm. to have as a reference. And don't read the whole thing and scare yourself (laughs) about all the chicken diseases. (laughs) Um, uh, There are so many great beginner chicken books, and Mm -hmm. I've read a lot of them, and I think that um, any of them is good. There's a book called City Chicks that talks a lot about composting as part of chicken keeping, and I think that's really interesting, especially if you're keeping chickens in a community garden. Yeah. Um, I do think getting a book that's specifically about urban chickens is a good idea if you're going to keep them in an urban or suburban area. Okay. Because it's just slightly different. I mean, I've sort of had to learn and adapt how I do things to keep them in the city versus in the country. It makes sense. Um, uh, there's a website called Backyard Chickens that, I, that um, can be good, but there's a lot of discussion boards, and I think you always want to be careful yeah. to sort of cross-reference what you learn on a discussion board. Totally. Um, MyPetChicken.com, they, they sell chicks, and they sell a lot of um, chicken supplies, but uh, also have a lot of good information.
2: Cool. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything that is, like, like for someone who doesn't know anything and they go and they're like, I'm going to do this. Is there any product that exists that you're like, you really don't need that?
1: Um, I mean, I think with all of it, keep it pretty basic. Yeah. Um, you don't, one thing is you don't need to heat your coop. That's, uh... Actually can be bad for the chickens Because their metabolism will adjust As the weather gets colder in the winter Mm. And if it's heated and then the power goes out Their metabolism hasn't adjusted And when they lose the heat They'll actually die So heating your coop is not necessary And probably not a good idea
2: I was shocked um, when you told me that. I really was expecting, like, no, you've got to keep the hoop coop at, like, you know, 60 degrees or something like that. I had no idea that chickens could yeah. adjust that well to freezing cold temperatures.
1: Well, that's where picking the right breeds for your climate totally. is important, too.
2: Totally. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Hannah, we are out of time, but I've really, really enjoyed this. And thank you so much for telling us all about chickens, because I definitely wanted to learn more. Um, Tell us how we can find out more about you and where we can reach you, and please talk about your awesome blog, because it's amazing.
1: Sure. Well, thank you. This has been so fun. I love to talk about chickens. Um, My blog is uh, sweetsandbitters.com. It's, uh, you know, I was a baker and a bartender, hence the sweets and bitters, and it's... um, beautiful food for real life, um, stuff that's fun and also practical.
2: Her recipes are amazing. Make the blood orange cake. It's ridiculous, and it's beautiful. Seriously. So, yeah, and that then I'm also awesome. at
1: Sweets and Bitters on social media. Um, sweets, letter N, bitters.
2: And where can you get your cookbooks? Are they on um, the Yeah, so
1: Sweets and Bitters, it's a series of little mini cookbooks that are kind of a cross between a cookbook and a magazine. Um, You can find them on my website, sweetsandbitters.com, and also at a lot of boutique shops around New York and around the country and around the world. Yay! That's
2: so exciting. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much. Yay, this was awesome. I'm Celia Kutcher. on the Food Healer. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking to Dave Graves all about bees and the situation going on with those. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.